4: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today.
5: Listen to Rapaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And
4: me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get
6: your podcast. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So like many of you, I have trouble sleeping. I have insomnia. No matter what I tried, it wouldn't work. Until I met Mike Lindell and I got my very own My Pillow, it has changed my life. What makes My Pillow so different is My Pillow's patented adjustable fill. In other words, you can adjust the patented fill to your exact individual needs so you get the support you need and want to help you get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer. Just go to mypillow.com or call 1-800-919-6090. Remember, use the promo code Hannity. when you do. Mike Lindell will give you his best offer ever. Buy one pillow and get another one absolutely free. MyPillow, made in the USA, 10-year unconditional warranty, and it has a 60-day, no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose. So it's time for you to start getting the quality of sleep that you've been wanting and we need. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090 promo code Hannity. Take advantage of Mike's special two-for-one offer. MyPillow.com promo code Hannity.
7: Look, I I support the general thrust of what you and certainly Tesla are saying. People were disappointed. Franchise, But I want to go a step further tonight. The entire Democratic Party stinks from the head down. The whole process, everyone has really stain on their hands. And with this new revelation tonight on the emails that it probably involved gross negligence, it strengthens my call and that of others for a special prosecutor to look at that Comey the gross negligence, to look at the email deal more generally, to look at Uranium One, the dossier, all of it. Because at this point, what we know is getting more and more troubling. I say this as a loyal Democrat. I know Teslin's a loyal Democrat. But as she said, and I would say, this is not partisan. This is you about preserving know, I our democracy. It. You do know that this
8: book is being used yes, against... The party say it. Again, well, I'm, I'm trying to say it. All you know, against uh, yes, I know. Against everybody. So, so you know, people are upset, and you know, you understand. So, so explain why. You didn't realize people would take the idea of Hillary bailing out the party years before or whenever she did it, uh, as something that was bad and robbed Bernie of his ability to be president. I mean, that's how, that's the message that is being put out. Right, uh, in your name? Well, first of all, I never used the word rigged in my book. I said that I used the word cancer and that I was uncomfortable with the cancer that I found mm-hmm. when I became chair. Look, I was an officer. I didn't know how deeply in debt our party was. Mm-hmm. Okay, And when I learned that Hillary was bailing us out, I want to call her Secretary Hillary Clinton, but I also know as Hillary because I, I have great affection and respect for her. When I learned that Hillary was bailing our party out, giving us three point five million dollars a month to keep us floating. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that. But what I wanted control over will mm-hmm. was that if I raise Mm A dollar. A dollar fifty. I wanted to spend my money without asking permission. There are a lot of questions about this Russian dossier and there are evidence that has come out that the DNC helped fund it. Did you know that was happening and were you surprised to hear it if you didn't? I asked one question on November 4th and I was told that I did not need to know and so no I did not know because I did not control my money. But you're waxing poetic a lot up here about Russia and Russia's involvement in the election which is deeply important to me but when you see that the
9: DNC was funding it.
8: funding So Megan, Megan, you know campaigns, so the line item is called legal, the line item is called research. The line item, if you ask me today, because I have a list of all of the DNC consultants, do I see Fusion GPS? No. Hmm. Uh, But if you ask me was this a question that came up during my tenure as chair, it did on November 4th. Do you think it's wrong? Do you think it sets a bad precedence? The, to do to legal pay to do research. For opposition research. I, I was not involved in the contracting. I don't the know. Republicans did. I did not. Megan. Um, I, I was not involved in the hiring of this firm. I did not know about the existence of this contract. But in terms of opposition research, people go after things that I, I must tell you in America. They go after dirt. When they go after dirt, you saw what uh, no, Mr. But, Trump Jr. did. But no, I did not, I did not go after it. But just do you think mine. it's wrong to go to Russia to ask for opposition research? I don't. You're asking me about the dossier and, and how it was compiled. I don't know how it was compiled. I don't know who went after it,
6: Megan. All right, that was on The View today. Oh, man, pretty blockbuster stuff. I, I, I was told I didn't need to know any of this. And she goes, she, she actually had used the word rigged, which, by the way, is somebody who's authored a book. Let me tell you, by the time you finish your book and it ev- actually gets published, you don't even remember it. And I know it sounds weird, but it's true, because it becomes such a painful act to be out there uh, writing books. Uh, speaking of which, uh, my friend and uh, colleague Greta Van Susteren has a new book out, Everything You Need to Know About Social Media Without Having to Call a Kid. I want to talk about, you know what's funny about that? Is I have to ask my daughter to download all of my apps. <laughs> well, well, not, that's not funny. I don't think that's, so, why are you mocking me?
5: Oh, you're, are you listening to me, Sean?
6: Yes, of course. How are you?
5: Uh, I'd say, of course, I'm laughing at you, but you know what? You're like everybody else. I mean, that's the problem. You know why I wrote this book? Is because I thought I was asking a 25 year old a rather sophisticated question. One of my nieces about yeah. Instagram, and I asked her the question, and her response was seriously. And I said, "Yes, I mean seriously." She said, "You don't know that." I said, "Actually, I don't know that." And I used to change her diapers, so be nice to me. No, it um,
6: definitely—it's you know, amazing what they can do. I mean, my son has been so crap. And so tricky, You know, for example, he would play his game a lot and he likes like Madden football, for example, and the smart ass son that he is. So he knew every once in a while if I was getting sick and tired of him playing too much, I'd go in there and, and I'd grab the disc and I'd take it away. And I thought I was ending his game. And then yeah, he, enough, and, and he didn't even get mad because he had the whole thing downloaded in the machine. The whole thing.
5: Yeah, of course. Of course, but see, that's what, the interesting thing about my book, people say, who is it for? It's for everybody over 40 who thinks that he knows everything about social media or has any questions or uh, wants to get started and just wants to understand it. It's also for everybody under the age of 40 who's sick and tired of answering questions to those of us <laughs> who are here. So, it's less than 15 bucks. You can't go wrong.
6: You really you really can't go wrong. I actually, when I saw the title, I said, this is hilarious. And by the way, it is a timely book and, and one that is necessary and needed for people like me. Uh, how have you been lately? I know you spent a little time over at MSNBC. We miss you at Fox. Um, how did uh, how did that work out there? How
5: did how did that work out for me? Well, I got fired. But let me say this: No,
6: oh, no, no. I didn't mean that. Uh, in a ba- I didn't mean it that way. I mean, well, <laughs> no, I, no, I'm no, asking no, in a nice way. What happened?
5: No, I, I got fired. I'll, you I'll, out,
6: I'll, you jerk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I
5: actually. Don't know what happened. If it's not for a personal reason, I have a absolutely perfect personnel file. The only thing in it is my contract. It's not for the ratings because my show was up 94 percent overall from the show I replaced a year earlier, and 92 percent in the demo. And by the way, I replaced Mark Halpern's show. I know, so I'm, and no one's ever suggested I did anything wrong, any bad behavior, and nobody ever accused me of being unfair or not getting the facts right. So the question is, why did I get fired? I I, actually I have don't my know. suspicions. I'd love to know
6: that. I, I think huh? I can tell you. Look, you've always been, and I've known you for years. And and obviously, we, everybody in, on TV and radio has different personalities. Everybody does it differently. But I always looked at you and your show as the curious show. You would you would ask questions, and you'd let people. Answer the questions. I always love that about your show. Now, I obviously have stronger political opinions, but that, but your show. Provides a valuable service by saying, "Okay, well, explain this to me. Explain that to me." I mean, and as a lawyer, you always had these deep, penetrating questions, and you weren't asking with any malice or any agenda. And then people would would answer or duck or dodge. And if they tried to dodge, you usually go in two or three more times. And you know, but I never got the sense where you are politically. I honestly, I honestly don't know where it you stand politically. It, it
5: depends on the issue yeah. where I am uh, politically. But as for your question about, but, why I, but I think that, but started. I think
6: they didn't want anybody that wasn't hardcore conspiracy. Theory, left wing. There's my answer.
5: Well, but but the thing is, I was no surprise when they hired me. I've been in the business 25 years. I kept my side of the bargain, and the only thing that I don't like is the fact that they let the narrative out there that it was somehow the ratings. But I had less than six months, and my ratings were up 94 percent over the show I, I, that I replaced. When it just simply is not true. What the, you know that it was the ratings. And they let that narrative uh, go out there. You know, the show was a successful one. Viewers liked it. I still get emails they liked it, and I all I wanted them to be fair to me. I don't you know. I'll let the chips fall as they may, but uh, they ought to be fair to be. And uh, and so I'd love to know why I got fired.
6: You know, this this business that we're in, more than people know, can really suck. I mean, it has a dark side. <laughs> it's fun, though. You know, well, we're very blessed. You and I have discussed this many times together. I mean, it's it, it's a blessing to do it, but it's it, I I don't think people understand how much work goes into, like, three hours of radio and an hour of TV and grinding it out every day. But it's my honor to do it. It really is. And, like every other business, it's a service business. I mean, I did all those you know blue collar jobs all my life, and nobody said, "Thank you. Can I have your autograph?" Um I don't view it as any different except that we're in the public eye. and and in that sense, you know that you lose your anonymity, which I, I think a lot of people would probably like to keep their anonymity. but um, well, I'm sorry that happened, but I know you. you I mean, well, you can do whatever you want. What those, you'll write your you own know, ticket. I know you.
5: Sean, as as long as i as I go out of a job, and I did go out of the job this way is with my head high that I always did my best, always tried to be fair. I took the job very seriously in getting the facts for the, for the American people. I tried to call every every ball as I saw it. And, and, and frankly, that's why it's so stunning to me, because it wasn't, you know, that- Greta, you, you want left, me to sum it up for you? you.
6: You did not hate what? Donald Trump enough. That's their, That no, was I, your problem. You did not but, hate but you know Donald what? Trump.
5: But but you know what the problem is, though? Is that, you know, that, that would be very bad because, you know, we're not supposed to tilt the news. We're supposed to be honest.
6: Okay, have you ever watched that network? They hate Donald Trump 24-7. You were the one hour can, that didn't hate Donald Trump.
5: My job was always, to, as I saw this, to be responsible for my hour. To, be, to do my very best for the viewers.
6: I think you network, know in your heart, and I'm only saying this, I think you know that I'm right.
5: Uh, I, I'd i love to hear from them. <laughs> you know, I'd love to, I'd lo- no, it's like, you know, it's like uh, I, I still don't understand. There wasn't one criticism of me, and all of a sudden one day they called me in and fired me.
6: No, I'm sorry to and, hear that. I really am, and and, and not even an explanation. Yeah, listen, this is like what well, happens, no, though. Just,
5: the explanation they put out there, though, the thing that bothers me is the explanation they put out there uh, it's simply not true. That the, you know, well, you're too smart an, an to attorney the for them to up. be
6: that stupid, is all I would say on that front. You're too good an attorney. they just, it you are. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, if, if they said something that was factually inaccurate, I would imagine that's going to come back and hurt them.
5: Yeah, you know, I, I try to walk out of there with my dignity and realize that, you know, I've been very lucky in this business. i had some great jobs and great colleagues. And I see that more as a reflection of, of others who might not want to be talking about than of me. Let me move
6: on. Um, I, I want to press your legal mind here. What do you think of Donna Brazil saying Hillary stole the primary, basically, and had the fix in and rigged it?
5: All right. First of all, uh, full disclosure, um, Donna and I are friends. We've been friends for years. Um, I've been listening to Donna's book since it got uh, released today. I'm about two hours into it. Actually you, I actually I recommend if you're going to read the book that you actually download and listen to it because she reads it herself. Donna is painfully honest. People may disagree with the book, but she's painfully honest and she paints a rather, you know, rather disturbing picture of the DNC and its financial situation and uh, one way you can look at it is that the Clinton people that were scrambling to try to rescue it and avoid the embarrassment that it was going under financially or you can look at it the other way is that the Clinton administration was looking for an opportunity to control it they did by controlling the money spring, strings, by bringing a lot of money into the DNC. Um, you know, take your pick how you how, how you want to explain it. If I were Bernie Sanders, I'd be furious. Um, but then again, Bernie Sanders never wanted to be a Democrat. He was always independent. But it doesn't matter. wanted but, to run it for
6: president. But Donna told him the truth, and he did nothing. I think that, that's... That, uh, that you,
5: make- know what, you know who actually is, in, in more full disclosure, is that John Cole, my husband, is friends with uh, Martin O'Malley, former governor of Maryland. No. And that he's the one who should be angry because the, in in politics the way that you get your uh, traction is through the through the debate and that's how you get name recognition, you get a chance to show yourself off, raise money, and uh, and it looked like it looked like these are my words the fix was in. That they had a limited number of debates. Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, was close to Hillary in 2008, and and this is in Washington, is that they were controlling the number of um, of debates so as to help her. Uh,
6: Unbelievable! The and they and back. they got the fix was in with the super delegates and everything that Donna says. All right, stay right there. Greta Van Susteren is uh, with us. Brand new book out, Everything You Need to Know About Social Media Without Having to Call a Kid. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right as we continue, Greta Van Susteren with us, a brand new book, Everything You Need to Know About Social Media Without Having to Call a Kid. Um, let me ask you some legal questions. If there are th- emails that are subpoenaed, 33,000 of them, you know where I'm going. Right. And you delete them, acid wash, bleach bit them, and destroy the blackberries with hammers. Is that a crime?
5: Um uh, I think it is, but I, I'm not sure you have the facts exactly right, as I recall. And I actually said this on the air when I was at the Fox News Channel, is I think that Congress notified uh, Clinton's lawyers them. in October that to, what they wanted them to, I don't know, to preserve what they want, and then they destroyed them. If I were Hillary Clinton's lawyer at that time, I never would have destroyed them. And I've always thought that the lawyers would be in trouble in hot water with the bar because I felt enormously uncomfortable with the fact that, uh, as a lawyer, I never would have destroyed them once once I was notified by Congress. I don't know if it's a crime, but I I think it's a bar problem.
6: Isn't it also an obstruction issue? Because, you know, you obviously had the equivalent of Congress telling you to preserve these things. You don't do it. And then you destroy it.
5: I don't know if you have. I think if the U.S. Attorney's head, I don't think if Congress notifies you's a necessary obstruction. I don't know. I, I can tell you one thing. I don't know if it fits. You know where it fits within a particular statute. I can tell you, I'm extremely uncomfortable with the idea maybe did, because it's deceitful. What did it's you think about effort to hide something?
6: The gross negligence statute that we see in early writings before Comey had had basically exonerated her without even interviewing her or most of the witnesses, and he had used the term gross negligence, which is the legal standard, and we know that. The Espionage Act says knowingly and willfully mishandling classified information. I assume that would be putting it on a private server, uh, which she told others in, in the State Department not to do, and then destroying those things. And, and we know five foreign you know, actors were able to access it. Any of those ring to, as I, crimes I, I, to you?
5: I, when I know you're referring to that, uh, the uh, press conference that there's a press statement that Comey gave. I think it's late June or early July. He used of extreme recklessness
6: so the earlier and, drafts. And, I, that, and, yeah. and,
5: and, I, and I'll tell you, I thought that made lawyers look bad because I, I it made no sense the way the way he was mm-hmm. trying to sort of uh, do the the sort of the gymnastics around that. I, I don't know what was going on in his mind. I mean, I, it's just stunning to me um, the no. way he handled that. I I, well, I mean that that is not the way I would have handled it i don't even know why he made a statement uh, yeah. i don't even know why they i don't even the sort of the weird thing later when he met with the attorney general at some point or she called him and they all want to get on the same page to get the right language as to how to refer to it but i mean there's there's a lot of explaining that needs to be done here in I've washington gotta, and, i gotta
6: let you go on well, not because i want to but uh, anyway congratulations on the new book we're going to post it at hannity.com everything you need to know about social media without having to call a kid Greta Van Susteren. One last thing.
5: One yeah. last thing. I miss you, Sean.
6: Uh, we miss you, too. Anyway, I'm, we're proud of you. You're doing amazing, okay. and uh, good luck with the book tour. I know you're doing a lot of work with Franklin Graham, which I admire immensely. And we wait pr- till
5: you see my app.
6: Oh, I can't wait for the app. Great.
5: The app's going to be fun. That's the tease.
6: All right. Thanks, Greta. 800-941-SEAN. We'll continue.
5: You never want to miss the Sean Hannity
10: Show. And now you never have to. Just sign up for Hannity Headlines,
11: a bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you on your laptop, your mobile phone, everywhere you go, even to your liberal in-law's place in Vermont.
8: So, um...
11: And after a few hours of that, you'll be glad you brought Sean along. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com.
1: The um, Christopher Steele dossier, Mm -hmm. which is a Mm -hmm. controversial document for lots of reasons. Um, Quoting from that, though, a lot of it has been proven out. Do you believe anything about that dossier?
8: Oh, I think it should be uh, taken a look at. I think they should really read it, understand it, analyze it, and determine what's fact, what may not be fact. We already know that the part about uh, the coverage that they have on him uh, with sex actions uh, is supposed to be true.
0: My focus
12: today is to explore how many claims within Steele's dossier are looking more and more likely as though they are accurate. The dossier definitely seems right on these points. A quid pro quo relationship seems to exist between the Trump campaign and Putin's Russia.
7: There's a lot in the dossier that is yet to be proven, but increasingly, as we'll hear throughout the day, allegations are checking out. The famous dossier, which is getting a lot more credibility now than it did. Well, I think that's important, right? That the dossier, right, which looked uh, sort of out there at first, is getting truer and truer and truer as facts
12: come
1: out. The Clinton campaign apparently conducted opposition research, as every campaign does, on their opponent. They got back, apparently, this very uh, salacious and now infamous dossier, which they never used. In fact, didn't even reach the press until after the election was over. They never used it. What
8: I have learned, I've heard about the dossier, it's about his involvement with women. It's about possibly prostitutes.
13: We were able to corroborate in our intelligence community assessment, which Hmm. from other sources in which we had very high confidence. So
9: when the president just refers to the fake dossier, that is false.
13: Uh, I... I don't think that's that, that is the accurate characterization for the entirety of the dossier.
7: Jared or anybody else who met with a Russian <laughs> in the last year, he, he knows, knows, it, all. He knows it all. It's all. If he had a little excitement in some hotel room in Moscow, <laughs> X years ago, according to that dossier, he's got those pictures. He's looked at them a million times. That said, Wolf, we do want to hear from Christopher Steele. Uh, so far, a lot of what he has alleged in the dossier uh, has been proven. Uh, we reported uh, a number of weeks ago that the intelligence community had, in fact, confirmed some of the elephant elements in the dossier including the particular meetings and conversations detailed in the dossier took place in the places and at the times as described there so it directly contradicts the president who has repeated from the beginning uh, that the dossier like many parts of the russian investigation is a hoax all right 23 now till the
6: top of the hour so there you have all these democrats all of them going on and and the media pushing the steel dossier, Rachel Maddow, Maxine Waters, and Andre Carson, Chris Matthews, Paul Begala, Donnie Deutsch, you know, James Clapper, and it goes on from there, nonstop. They just go with it. They wanted to believe every salacious detail that was paid for, that, that was made up by the Russians. Oh, I guess they're colluding to help get... Hillary Clinton elected and impact the uh, the election, and Hillary funded the whole entire thing. Thor Halverson is with us, and he's the CEO of the New York-based Human Rights Foundation, and he's here to shed some light on Fusion GPS, with whom he had a previous interaction with and, and dealings with that were pretty much unspeakable. He says they are smear artists, he said, and... What they've learned is if you want to kill an investigation, if you want to destroy a law enforcement investigation, go after the witnesses, go after the whistleblowers. Wow, shocking. Now, he also testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee in July of this year against Fusion GPS, which, of course, they're not going to testify before anybody, and they're fighting a congressional subpoena. Thor, sir, welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us.
14: Thank you for having me on your program, Sean.
6: All right. Let's talk about what you know about Fusion GPS. Tell us how you got involved, what you know, and what people need to know.
14: Sure. Well, how I get into this was, uh, was accidentally. I, I, I was made aware of a massive con- con- government contract fraud that was taking place in the dictatorship of Venezuela. In other words, um, someone gave me information about a theft a theft of $3 billion that took place in the Chavez government in Venezuela. Okay. So I took the information. I thought it was outrageous. These, uh, a bunch of guys in their 20s were awarded power plant contracts to build these power plants in Venezuela. And they, did, they built faulty power plants and walked off with the money. So I figured I would write about this circumstance in the United States and alert the authorities in as much as the, the stolen Venezuelan money Um, was uh, being laundered through American banks. Well, to make a long story short, the targets of my investigation, the people that I was blowing the whistle on, ended up hiring Fusion GPS. They hired Fusion GPS to go after those of us who had um, been talking about this investigation, talking about this company, pointing out their crimes. And what Fusion GPS did for them, um, in the case of four different people, they couldn't come up with anything tangible about us that was negative, so they just simply made it up and they created these dossiers pretty similar, each, each of these dossiers, say, making the same allegations over and over again, salacious allegations of outrageous conduct that range from extortion and rape to drug abuse and pedophilia, and then they shopped these dossiers around to the media. So, whereas we are trying to expose a crime, they figured, "Here's what we'll do to eliminate the whistleblowers. Here's what we'll do to go after them. Let's create dossiers and accuse them of all sorts of horrible things."
6: I read and yeah, I, I read Catherine Herridge's piece and Pam Brown's piece and on, on FoxNews.com, and you know what's what's amazing about this is. You know that you're saying that they have a track record of intimidation and smear tactics, but it's beyond that, because in your congressional testimony and your firsthand account here, you're saying that they labeled you a pedophile, an extortionist, a drug trafficker, because you criticize one of their clients. Now, how do you how do you know that they did all of this?
14: Okay, well, it starts off with the fact that the, the their clients were being investigated by the Wall Street Journal. As you know, the Wall Street Journal is a serious outfit. They were were doing an investigation. They were writing a story. The story was 4,000 words long. How do I know the story was that long? Because the reporter and I were in touch constantly. We were sharing information. I was telling him about what was going on. Before you know it, the reporter was asked to visit Venezuela and meet with the, the men who he was writing about. When he gets to Venezuela, Into the conference room of of these guys who stole billions of dollars, there's one of the partners of Fusion GPS sitting in the conference room. He also happens to be formerly the bureau chief for Latin America for the Wall Street Journal. In other words, the reporter walks into the room, and there's his former boss, who's now a partner at Fusion GPS, saying to him, All of these allegations are lies, these are good men. They're just excellent businessmen. You know, they earned these billions and billions of dollars, and you're being played. Here's a dossier about uh, the men who are feeding you information. Don't ask me how I know that they are the the ones feeding you information, but I do know that, that here's the dossier. That's the first time I heard the word Fusion GPS. When the Wall Street Journal says to me, I can't believe my former boss is working for them. By the way, they gave me a file on you. That's the first time I learned, and of course, after that, I started learning more and more about them.
6: Did you get the file that they had made on you?
14: No. Um, the reporter read it to me. I know what it contains, but he did not give me a copy. I think the Wall Street Journal has internal... I mean, because I think, what,
6: based on what you're saying, that you'd have a lawsuit here. if he, You just can't make up out a whole cloth that somebody's a, a pedophile, an extortionist, and a drug trafficker. I mean well, uh, you're,
14: you're, you're, you're in the right neighborhood. I, I, I can't really tell you what, my, what, what I'm doing next, but let's just say that uh, subsequent to this, the Wall Street Journal did nothing with this. In fact, the reporter and the journal said, we, with this, "This is full of uh, this stuff is hot air. We're not going to pay any attention to it. We're going to keep doing our story." But then they kept shopping it around. And, Sean, they found an out-of-work journalist in Washington, D.C., someone who'd been dismissed from job after job by the name of Ken Silverstein. They paid Ken Silverstein, and Ken Silverstein published it on a left-wing website, one of these fringe websites. He published an article with these allegations in it and then they paid Fusion GPS paid one of these SEO companies the ones that fo- focus on um where things rank on a Google search and they pushed the story way way up so that when you google my name it's the first or second thing that pops up that's what Fusion GPS did
6: by the way a lot of people don't know you can do there's a whole there's a whole group of people you can pay to either bury stories on Google and Yahoo or put them up on top. And there's, I guess, some particular methods that they use. So what you're saying, that is true. Um, so what happened since this all happened to you? I mean, what, what is your human rights group about, by the way? What do you, I mean, do you work no, on issues involving- rights,
14: We focus on dictatorships. We focus on the struggle against dictatorships, whether it's Cuba, North Korea, Russia, China, Venezuela, Angola, our goal is to do is to enter that vacuum where the establishment organizations aren't really focused on. A lot of them f- spend most okay. of their time focusing on democracies like the U.S.
6: Stay we right there. Focus. We'll, we'll have more with uh, Thor Halverson who's with us, and he is uh, uh, saying he's a victim of. GPS. We'll get more of his story on the other side of all of this as we continue here on the Sean Hannity Show. Right, welcome back as we continue. Thor Halverson is with us. And hey, Thor, how are you? All right, So I want to get back to this. Everybody in the media is going with the same talking point. Well, a Republican, a GOP operative paid to begin the dossier on Trump. And the fact of the matter is that person got out long before Steele, who made up all of these allegations by paying Russians uh, about Donald Donald Trump and the more salacious details. So, what they're saying isn't true. This was, uh, we now know that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats paid for the smear. Right her campaign paid for the whole smear. So you're saying that this whole group, is that why they're unwilling to talk to Congress? And and I know that there's now, they're trying to get into their bank accounts to find exactly where the money came from uh, that led to the dossier that was used by the media and used by Democrats to try and impact this election, even though all of the information and the propaganda and the misinformation came from Russia.
14: Well, ask yourself, Sean, why are they, why did they admit to paying for the dossier? They admitted to paying for the dossier because of the subpoena. They, they want to get ahead of the subpoena and say, Judge, don't go forward and open the bank accounts of Fusion GPS because we don't need to know that anymore because now they fessed up and the DNC has claimed and the Hillary Clinton campaign that they paid for the dossier. The reason why is very simple, Sean. Those bank, that bank information contains the information about payoffs, To dozens of journalists inside and outside of the Beltway by Fusion GPS. I am convinced that Fusion GPS is engaged in regular payola with journalists in order to ensure that some stories get coverage and some don't. In addition, what that banking information contains is information about the criminal entities, most of them from abroad, that hire Fusion GPS to kill stories, to go after witnesses, to blow up Um, concepts when the criminal entity is suffering or potentially going to get in trouble. This is what happened in the Venezuela case. Derwick Associates paid Fusion to end with the credibility of the witnesses and to obstruct justice. Fusion GPS doesn't make a lot of money from its American clients. It makes the bulk of its money from criminals abroad.
6: This is like the most unbelievable story I think I've ever heard. It really is, well, you know. But and, and listen, I'm just going to say something, and this is on a personal level. I mean, you have no recourse. I'm a public figure. I'm on radio three hours a day, TV one hour a day, and when people lie about me, the standard is so high that I, I actually I have to prove that what they're saying was actual malice, and to get there, it, it it is such a high legal bar; it's nearly impossible. So if you're a public figure, they can pretty much say anything and they do say anything they want. And I've I just finally just compartmentalized in my mind that, okay, I, this is my chosen profession. <clears throat> I didn't think that this was going to be a part of it, but people telling lies about me, on a regular basis is just part and parcel of what I I, I now have happening in my life.
14: Well, and this is, and you know this better than anyone. <laughs> Even though there are lies, it still hurts. It's still nasty when family members and whatnot um, look at this stuff and say, "Of course have you it is." Seen what they're saying, um, and yet. They get away with it. They get away with it. You know, it was it was really, you know, despite the fact that Fusion GPS did this and hired this loser, Ken Silverstein, to write about it. The the fact is that um, it felt really good to know that there's a collection of us that are being the targets of Fusion GPS. Because Mm -hmm. finally, what these accusations can be explained. Finally, you know, whether it's William Browder, myself, or in this case, President Trump can say, look, There's a pattern here. It's the same company engaged in the same behavior again and again. These are former journalists who lost their way and decided we will do anything for money. They don't care about the truth. They care about making money, which is why they work for criminals. So I'm just assuming.
6: To in I'm assuming you're going to do a lawsuit.
14: Well, look, a lawsuit's going to cost millions of dollars, and suing this person. Still all is right, the I, I've got to break. thing. Thor, come Thor.
6: back and tell us more, and as you get more information on it, and uh, we'll let people decide on their own. And I could tell you, smear campaigns against conservatives are just part of our everyday business. It's unbelievable. It's like a. It's and by the way, they're well funded. All those people. I come from the poor
13: people and i've been here working my whole stinking career for people who don't have a chance and i really resent anybody saying that i'm just doing this for the rich give me a break i think you guys overplay that all the time and it gets old and frankly you gotta you got quit it, mr chairman the public just i'm not through okay i get kind of sick and tired of it well, not True, it's a nice political play. Well, Mr. But Chairman, not true. with all due respect, I get sick and tired of the richest. Regular, people. regular order, Mr. Chairman. Richer and <laughs> regular, regular order. Richer order regular middle we do attacks. Regular order middle class regular order and middle, order. over and over again. Wait, just How many a times do we do this before we learn this, Listen, I've honored you by allowing you to spout off here. And what you said was not right. That's all I'm saying. I come from the lower middle class originally. We didn't have anything. So don't spew that stuff on me. I get a little tired of that crap. And let me just say something. If you didn't... If we've worked together, we could pull this country out of every every mess it's in. And we could do a lot of the things that you're talking about, too. And I think I've got a reputation of having worked together with Democrats. But start with Chip. Not starting with Chip. I did it. I've done it for years. I've got more bills... Start with Chip today. i got more bills passed than everybody on this committee put together. And they've been passed for the benefit of people in this country. Now, all I can say is I like you personally very much, but I'm telling you, this bull crap that you guys throw out here really gets old after a while. To do it right at the end of this was just not right. And I, I just, I, it takes a lot to get me worked up like this. On the roll.
5: Remember when
4: Democrats knew cutting taxes creates jobs?
13: Every dollar released from taxation
11: that is spent or invested, will help create a new job and a new salary. And these new jobs and new salaries can create other jobs and
10: other salaries.
4: Do the Democrats in Congress today really like writing welfare checks more than creating paychecks? A JFK-Trump tax cut will create jobs for America.
9: I've got to say, uh, this is nothing short of extraordinary. Let me just tell you, getting 218 members to agree... On something as complicated as the most, two, uh, yeah. Two, well, we needed two eighteen. Okay, let me rephrase it. <laughs> Getting two hundred and twenty-seven members to agree on something as
6: complicated.
9: This country has not rewritten its tax code since nineteen eighty-six. The powers of the status quo in this town are so strong. Yet 227 men and women of this Congress broke through that today. That is powerful. Of course, I want to thank not just the members who made this possible today. I want to thank
11: the president. I want to thank his administration. And I think our partners in the Senate who are doing their work as well.
12: You will admit now, for the sake of this discussion, that some Americans under this Republican plan will be paying more in taxes, correct? They're- there will be people who make more than a million dollars in high-tax states that will be paying more. And as the president has said, this is not a tax plan to cut taxes for rich people. This is a tax plan to make businesses competitive and give middle-income tax when, when I hear that M-word, I think it's code, you know, and I, I, I'm used to hearing it from the left for many years. I think you are as well. I think you would admit that. But this is a Republican majority in the House and in the Senate and the White House. And you're admitting that for some Americans, they will pay more in taxes. Well, but again, is this what, what, is this what the American people have waited a generation for? To uh, again, more? just to be just to be clear, what we're doing is getting rid of the state and local tax deduction, which is a loophole for high tax states. That's the reason why New York, California, and others have taxes as high as they are, because the federal government is subsidizing those taxes and. For most Americans, the vast Number of Americans that that don't have high tax states, it's not fair that they're subsidizing a few states. So again, the people's taxes who are going to go up are the rich people in high tax states. But again, there's a lot of benefit to the New York economy of lowering the corporate rate to 20%. That's a huge boom for the financial services industry. They can hire more people. They can pay more people. They can create more jobs.
6: All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show toll free. Our number is eight hundred nine four one Sean to be a part of the program. I have known Orrin Hatch for all these years. I don't think I've ever heard him that animated ever because it is an absolute lie uh, that this uh, bill that they're going to hopefully pass in the Senate. Uh, the Republican bill is has anything of any benefit to anybody that is, quote, rich. That is one of my biggest complaints about Republicans, that you have 20% of Americans that pay most of the taxes in this country. 50% paid no federal income taxes. None. Zero. So we have redistribution. Now, if you believe in supply-side conservative economics, Reaganomics, which I have always believed in and continue to believe in, I would argue that the Republicans have b- abandoned that uh, and while they, what they're doing Doing on the corporate side is phenomenal. Middle class tax cuts is phenomenal. Repatriation is phenomenal. Uh, when they passed, you know, drilling in Anwar and energy independent, that's phenomenal for economic growth. The engine of economic growth that will get people off of food stamps out of poverty and back to work what this election was really all about i know you know we spend an inordinate amount of time against the never-ending attacks against the president but this is what's going to make the difference on top of the growth that we've already gotten because of the end of burdensome regulation that the president did on his own anyway here to weigh in on all of this larry kudlow cnbc host former reagan administration economist author of the new book it's a must read if you want to understand economics, Reagan. The the supplied-sized conservative argument of how to create growth in the economy. The JFK and Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity. Also, Stephen Moore is with us, Distinguished Visiting Fellow for Project for Economic Growth at the Heritage Foundation. Gentlemen, welcome back, both of you, to the uh, program. Hi, Sean. Um, Larry, when you were on Hi, last time, we both agreed this is great in terms of the corporate tax cut, the repatriation. The push towards energy independence, the end of burdensome regulations. But any notion that this is a tax cut for the wealthy is just patently false.
10: I agree. I would only add the you know, immediate expensing for new buildings and technology. But I thought your intro was great. You have a story like, Um the growth. We're going to get good growth from this. And we're going to get it from the business side. Steve Moore and I, among others, drafted this back in the campaign. <clears throat> Ironically, it's still... Holding up. Um, My biggest disappointment is the top rate wasn't lower. Uh, Trump just said he wanted to go to 35. That's where we were originally. But one quickie, Sean, your your take on Orrin Hatch, every single Republican, every single Republican should listen to Orrin Hatch fighting back against class warfare. Everybody should hear that. We've all known Orrin many, many years. He is a supply slider, And all I can say is good for him. Don't let the left Mao Mao him and push him back. And what you need for this country, you need growth, and that growth will benefit, Sean, everybody. Everybody will benefit from growth.
6: Well, that's the whole point. I mean, the reason I support the bill has nothing to do with me individually because I'm going to end up paying a lot more in this bill. What frustrates me is, and my argument, Steve Moore, welcome back, is that the Republicans have, they don't have the stomach for what Oren was arguing yesterday. They don't have the stomach to say, this is a tax cut for the rich, and explain to people that if you cut taxes across the board, Reagan doubled the revenues to the government. Reagan helped create 21 million new jobs. Uh, We had till that point the longest period of peacetime economic growth. Uh, Everything that that happened with JFK and Reagan that Larry writes about works. And I think as it relates to cutting top rates, Republicans don't have the stomach for the fight. Am I wrong?
0: Well, look. I think this is a pretty darn good bill the Republicans passed yesterday. I mean, I, I have some reservations, as you do and as Larry does. But my goodness, this was a pretty historic day for Congress to pass the biggest tax cut since Reagan. It's about time. Uh, shame on the Democrats, by the way, Sean. Shame on the not a single Democrat in the United States House of Representatives voted to cut taxes on American families and American businesses. I mean, I, I'm just disgusted by that. You know, by by the Democratic Party and how. Far they have moved to the left. Uh, I think there are a lot of good things in here. I like. I agree with Larry that the heart and soul of the growth comes from reducing our business taxes, and it's very simple. Sean, you know, if you look at those people, you know, you were talking about in the top 5% of income, those are people, you know what they do for a living, Sean? They own, operate, and invest in small businesses. Now, as my old boss, Dick Armey, used to say, you know, liberals love jobs, but they hate employers. You can't have jobs and good-paying jobs unless you've got healthy employers who are making money and reinvesting that money in the business. And, and so I think this will do a world of good for the for the economy. And I just want one other quick thing, Sean. I am so Proud of the Republicans for putting in this bill. I hope it remains the uh, the getting rid of this individual mandate under uh, under Obamacare because by the way that's a tax that's a tax increase on, on that uh, that initiative in Obamacare is a tax on low income people. Democrats don't want to get rid of that either. Let me ask well,
6: you know we we have a different version in the Senate and then uh, eventually yeah. they'll try and reconcile all of this and then hopefully it ends up on the president's desk. Uh, Larry, talk about. Talk about the differences you see in the bills and what you would like to see in the final product.
10: Well, actually, um, the House bill is more front loaded. And I like that a lot. I think the Senate is making a mistake holding back the corporate tax cut to 20 percent to 2019. I think that's a mistake. And uh, the House bill gets all that stuff started in the early years so that's something uh i think the pass through small business subchapter s companies um should get a bigger tax break i'd like to see that ron johnson is making the case um but i think they should get a bigger tax break although it's been improved um somewhat i would have had much larger marginal rate cuts for individuals. I guess that's not going to happen. It's too bad. You know, real Reagan style tax reform, Sean, is slashing the personal rate. I mean, slashing. And then you don't need the deduction so you can take it away. What yep. they're arguing about now, because there was no slashing of marginal rates, three percentage points at the bottom, um, the deductions are more painful and they're going to have to work out the salty. But you know,
6: you see uh, people and like Daryl Issa. Right, listen, I can sympathize with Darrell Issa. Voted against the bill because you know it's not his fault that the people of California elected a governor that put the state income tax at thirteen and a half percent, and 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 the same goes for New York and for New Jersey and for Illinois and and you know all these liberal states now have a little reckoning, uh, and maybe they'll hold their their local governors and legislators accountable for raising taxes as high as they do and as often as they do
0: you know you're so right about that sean i mean if you look at if you compare uh you know texas and florida with new york and california i mean in new york and california the highest income tax rate is now about thirteen and a half percent it's zero in texas and florida and you know you've got states like new york and new jersey uh sean right now that spent almost twice as much per person on state and local government spending as, say, a state like Tennessee and New Hampshire. So why should people in Tennessee and New Hampshire be subsidizing 40 percent of the flabby Government in in uh, in New York and California, the the pension costs, all of this stuff. So I like that feature of this bill. I think it's a long time. I mean, I wish Reagan had done this. He tried to do it in '86, and Republicans are finishing his agenda here of closing that loophole in the tax code uh, that I think is just it's it's not fair for people who live in low tax states to have to pay for high tax
6: states. So well said. You I mean, know, and, and in ways know, they're Sean. being in ways they're being punished. I stay right there. We'll continue. Uh, Steve Moore, Larry Cudlow, eight hundred nine four one Sean free Telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Luke Rosiak, the investigative reporter from The Daily Caller, will join us next half hour uh, as we have updates on Debbie Wasserman Schultz that you need to know. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. And as we continue, Larry Kudlow and Steve Moore are with us. We're talking about the House. Uh, and you got to give the House credit. The House has passed 300 bills that have not been even picked up by the Senate. The House passed their health care bill. i got to give them credit for that. I assume if the Senate doesn't get this done... It will impact everybody politically, both House and Senate. But I don't think it would be fair. I think it's up to the Senate to keep their promises. Larry Kudlow. You know,
10: Sean uh, and Steve, I I think the senators will do it. Uh, I spoke at the Republican Senate breakfast uh, 10 days ago. Their demeanor, uh, their whole attitude is we are going to get this done. We are going to get this done. This is different than health care. Steve and I were talking earlier uh, about this, there may not even be a conference if, were, if the Senate writes a bill. They're not that far apart. The Senate writes a good bill, gets it through the floor. You don't need a conference. That'll take days. They can get it done before Christmas. One little glitch, Sean. This whole Alabama business, and God knows what's going to happen there. If Moore loses, you am a Democrat, right? That could hurt the vote. If Moore wins. You'll have a Republican, but he said he's opposed to the tax bill. So it's baffling to me. be better to get this whole thing done before December 12th election down there.
6: What do you think, Steve Moore, politically?
0: yeah i think they 're going to get it done too I think larry 's exactly right, and you know as Larry just said, he and I worked with Donald Trump during the campaign to to put the framework of this together and look i think it 's about eighty percent of what Donald Trump originally asked for. I would have liked one hundred percent, but we got we got most of what we wanted out of this and and I just want to say one other thing because it 's so important Sean I mean getting rid of the individual mandate on Obamacare. It, it, will, it will cause the unraveling of Obamacare because people don't want it. If they keep saying all these people are going to lose their health insurance. These are people, these are 13 million people who don't want Obamacare, can't afford it. And if you don't have to stick a metaphorical gun at their head and force them to buy it, they don't want it. So I think that's a great thing. I think we're going to get, this is going to set no, the needs getting for getting rid of here. Obamacare and give us the biggest tax cut. That's a big deal.
6: All right, I'm going to have to leave it there. Thank you both, uh, Steve Moore. Thank you, Larry Kudlow. We appreciate it. 800-941-SHAWN is a number. You want to be a part of the program. A lot more coming up. Luke Rosiak, investigative reporter for The Daily Caller, is next. Uh, we have my favorite guest of all time. He's more fun and is going to make your holiday so fun that you don't want to miss John McLemore coming up. Peter Sweitz are also at the top of the hour straight ahead.
12: Congratulations. You five ladies no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Do you have any of
8: a young
5: girl moving to Hollywood. Um get lively with that. Harvey Weinstein invites you to a private
12: party and it you <laughs> You hear of your own free will. Has <laughs> someone coerced you <laughs> into being here?
4: Do you count Harvey Weinstein as a coercer?
12: <laughs> now, Harvey Harvey Weinstein is a as a uh, I, I don't know whether he's in some kind of organized crime now. Yeah. And and in return, what will Harvey do for you? nothing (laughs) really well what's wrong with that equation i'm not afraid of anyone in show business i turned down intercourse with harvey weinstein on no less than three occasions
7: out of five
6: that music can only mean one thing 25 now till the top of the hour 800-941-SEAN toll-free telephone number we'll get to katie hopkins the gobby one in just a second here all right so here's what has come out today first broken by uh, com, and because they knew that this washington post piece was coming out and their headline is after endorsing the democrat in alabama Bezos, Washington Post. You know, Bezos owns the Washington Post. For those of you who don't know, uh, plans to hit Roy Moore with allegations of inappropriate relations with teenagers. Judge claims it's a smear campaign. Now, I'll go back and I'll give you the specifics of of all of this. But anyway, it goes on. And a Washington Post headline is: Women says woman says Roy Moore initiated sexual encounter when she was 14 and he was 32, just shy of 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Anyway, and it goes on to tell the story about how 1979, Moore, who's now the Republican nominee in Alabama for the U.S. Senate seat, was a 32-year-old assistant district attorney. struck up a conversation with a girl and her mother, offered to watch the girl while her mother went inside for a child custody hearing. And he said, oh, you don't want to go in there and hear all that. I'll just stay out here with her, he said. Anyway, so the mother says, well, I thought how nice for him to want to take care of my little girl. Now, alone, Moore chatted with the girl, they go on to say, asked for her phone number. Days later, he picked her up around the corner from her house in Gadsden, Alabama, drove for about 30 minutes to his home in the woods, told her how pretty she was, and kissed her. On a second visit, she says he took uh, her shirt and her pants and removed his clothes. He touched her bra and underpants. And guided her hand to touch him all over his underwear. Remember, we're going back 38, almost 40 years ago. And I want it over with, I want it out, she remembers thinking. Please just get this over with. Whatever this is, just get it over. Now, two apparent friends of this childhood, childhood friends, said that she told them at the time that she was seeing an older man. And one says that she identified the man as as Judge Moore. Anyway, goes on to say that her daughter... Told her about the encounter more than a decade later, when Moore was a becoming a more prominent as a local judge. Now, they then go on to talk about other people. And they talk about specific allegations that one was a 17-years-old. Moore spoke to her high school civics class, asked her out on the first several dates that did not go beyond the progress of kissing. All right. Then another girl says she was 18-years-old, a cheerleader, when Moore began taking her on dates, including you know, bottles of Matus Rosé wine. The legal age was one year older, 19 in Alabama. Of the four woman, women, the youngest was the woman that's making this sexual allegation and accusation. And then it goes on. Roy Moore says this. These allegations are completely false and are a desperate political attack by the National Democratic Party and the Washington Post on this campaign. Moore is now 70. This allegedly happened when Moore was 32 years old. And then he goes on to say that the campaign said in a subsequent statement that this garbage is the very definition of fake news. All right. Now, as we came into this segment, we were playing all of these people in Hollywood that knew of Weinstein's reputation. Now, all of this is now, it's sort of like a cascading impact. We've talked about the casting couch. We've talked about... You know, young girls want to get into modeling or music or the TV industry. And I said that, and I said, this is only the beginning. And how right I was. Since that, let's see, you have Jeff Bezos of Amazon Studiohead, the guy that worked for him, Roy Price, a victim, was a TV producer. Kevin Spacey, all the allegations we've heard about him. You had the National Enquirer picked up all over the country yesterday that Charlie Sheen had, in fact, raped Corey Haim, who later committed suicide. Then you got... Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, in his particular case, two specific allegations against him. Then there were allegations against Dustin Hoffman that go back to 1985. Then you got Jeremy Piven. Then you got the case of Roman Polanski. And because I just wondered, everyone knew about Weinstein that didn't care. Roman Polanski was accused of plying a 13-year-old girl with alcohol and quaaludes and raping her. Listen to this. Let ask her. Goes for Roman Polanski,
13: for the pianist.
6: And that was the reaction when the guy that has been living abroad and avoiding justice in America got his Academy Award. That's Hollywood's reaction, accused of a 13-year-old girl. Anyway, here's some really, you know, fascinating questions. How do you know if it's true? How do we—what's what, what, true— What's not true? How do you ascertain the truth? What happens when it's 38 years later? And it's a serious topic. And because if it's true and people act like this, it's disgusting. It's despicable. It's criminal. If people, you know, some people, do, uh, do people lie? Now, we do have 10 commandments. One of the commandments is thou shalt not bear false witness. We know human beings break with regularity the other nine commandments. Did they break this one? I mean, it's something to think about. Why is it so bad? Because you can ruin somebody's reputation with an allegation. Katie Hopkins is with us of the Daily Mail across the pond. I mean, you're always outspoken. How do you tell – how do we – how are we, the American people, to ascertain what is true and not true?
15: It's starting to be an impossible question, isn't it, that doesn't have an answer. But what I would say is that women – and I am loosely a woman – Women have never been so disappointing. Like, the idea to me that someone comes out, what is it, 38 years later, allegedly, and is suddenly remembering how terribly traumatised she was, if she was stood right next to me now, I would be saying to her, that's not good enough. You've taken this many years to remember how upset you used to be, that is not good enough. You are disappointing as a woman. I can't believe in an era where, you know, I watched the pussy marches after Trump's inauguration, marching through the street, how strong women were, all their banners about how strong they are, how their bits and bobs are made of steel. We are so tough. If you're that tough, women, then why aren't you at some point standing up for yourself? We've got British politicians here but, yeah. but so Katie gonna, I lo- gonna,
6: listen, gonna, I love you today I'm gonna tell you what people are gonna say to you, feminists in particular, are you blaming the victim? Are you doubting the victim? That's what people yeah. are gonna she say what
15: yeah. And and immediately when people say, oh, my God, you're victim blaming, you're victim blaming, immediately you're supposed to lie down, quake in your boots, like when people throw the term racist about, you know, at me for no reason. You're supposed to lie down and go, no, of course I'm not victim blaming. Well, guess what? Actually, yes, I am at this point. I am pointing the finger straight at, let's just pick this one woman uh, that's been talking about with Roy Moore, allegedly, you know, I am pointing my finger at her. And I'm saying to that woman, you disgust me. You spent 38 years thinking about this before you said anything, now you decide to speak you disgust me because what you're doing, woman, is you're making it so that every other woman like me who likes working with men, who's happy just cracking on next to men, who actually finds men rather better to work for than women because the sisterhood doesn't exist you're making women poison to work for if I was was employing someone now would I employ a woman, especially if I was a man no, I would not and women like this do women like me a massive disservice. I am sick, and I'm sick of all of the Hollywood lot coming out and you know screaming about Weinstein after the event. You took his Oscar. Well, let me just you
6: let me, me just take arms. the other you side of this Hollywood for a second. Sick. You know mm. what, Listen, if any woman is abused, there is a violation. It's I think it's violence more than it is. You know when people say mm. I don't want to get into definitions here. No, of course. But here there are predator people out there. There are evil people. And maybe for years there was a stigma associated with telling the truth. And maybe, you know what, maybe people now feel emboldened because some women have told the truth. But then also, you know, are there false allegations? And when it's he said, she said, or whatever, how do you tell the difference? You know what I mean? I mean, because I I actually, in all these cases, I'm sure some of these women are telling the truth. But how do we determine who are and who
15: aren't? And in an age where we cannot, we have to, I think, maybe get to a point where we cannot determine initially who's telling the truth, who isn't, who you know, deceived, who's being manipulated by the Democrats or otherwise. What we, I think, need to do and what we perhaps can do is agree that due process has to be followed so that people are innocent unless proven guilty. And what we've just had in the UK in the last 24 hours, uh, because we're seeing exactly the same pattern happening over here as you have there, we've just had an MP, he was hauled in, he's a Welsh MP, hauled in, he was told about the nature of allegations against him which were unwarranted, no sorry, unwanted attention or groping. He wasn't told what they specifically were and within 12 hours that man was dead because he had a wife and two children and he killed himself because of the shame and the pressure and not knowing what the charges were and yet he was already seen as guilty before he'd even had chance to defend himself and that's what concerns me is we're going to see more people lose their lives i think because this sort of thing is so all-pervasive and we can't tell who's lying and who isn't and the mob just decides that people are guilty as soon as they hear an allegation made i think that's a terrifying thing
6: i gotta take a break we'll come back the gobby one katie hopkins is with us <laughs> All right, as we continue, Katie Hopkins is with us, the gobby one from the Daily Mail. Is it more credible when there's a series of people making allegations? Like, for example, as I read the Washington uh, Post piece, you know, one girl was 17, one girl was 18. Neither said that there was anything other than him asking them out on dates and kissing them. That's as far as it went in those cases. So I think they included that to make it make the original allegation from nearly 40 years ago bigger. And I think there's no doubt that the Washington Post has an agenda. and One has to ask, why didn't this come out during a primary campaign? Judge Moore has been one of the most controversial figures in Alabama for years.
15: Years. Of course. Of course, he was on our news here in the UK, uh, you know, with them portraying him in exactly the same way last night, very biased across our media, uh, the portrayal of Roy Moore, very biased in terms of what he's going to bring, that he's an extreme version of Trump. You know, that's the messaging that's being played out on this side of the Atlantic. I don't think it makes it any more credible when you get multiple stories coming out about the same person. I think credibility for me is women that report things within a week, two weeks, a month of when they found the time and effort and Energy and support to report something that's credibility for me if you reported the incident when it you happened
6: do not give any you do you not give any years,
15: it's not good enough
6: but, hang on, but you do not give any credence to the idea that this is such a horrific act of evil violence and so traumatizes people that they live in fear they live in in fear of you know a how they don't want people to know this horrible thing happened to them so they bottle it up they keep it up inside And then fear that they're not going to be believed, fear that they're going to be blamed, fear, you know, I mean, I think there's legitimate reasons why, you know, and personal reasons why women wait. I,
15: I, I hear you, Sean, and you're kind, and you're... And no, you're, no, you're, no I'm ab- you
6: know, I want to get to truth, and sometimes... Yeah,
15: well, okay, but I think we spend too much time talking about, you know, these women feel this, or these women feel, you know, ashamed, these women feel this. You know, speaking as someone who's played the system, Sean, I am, you know, my moral bar, as we both know, is very low. I have exchanged at times my youth when I was younger, my whatever I had back then, I exchanged that for power sometimes women make exchanges winningly now you might go back and try and make that the man's fault you know i've worked in multiple offices where very old unattractive men are dating the most attractive woman in the marketing department and that actually is a willing exchange between those two individuals i think the idea that we somehow it's always men preying on women women are very calculating women are very determined about what they want and women are not weak this idea that we're all massive victims i think that's what i find so offensive about this. This is setting women back decades because it makes us sound like we can't stand up for ourselves. We've got politicians here. We managed to get our defence, our secretary of defence, Michael Fallon, has left his job in the cabinet because he touched someone's knee. If that's me, I'd be getting my other knee and kneeing him right where the sun don't shine and saying, do that again and I'll do that again. You know, women are, it's just, it's desperate to me that women are portraying themselves as victims, as weak, as defenceless and vulnerable. And I I just am sick of it. And I understand your, your kind point, which is uh, that there are real victims out there. But then, you know what, Sean, what really annoys me, all these feminists, they never have one word to say about the victims of Muslim grooming gangs because it's not politically correct to talk about that. So it seems that some victims matter more than others, and that partly is fueling my anger at these women who look for sympathy now 30, 40 years later.
6: All right, uh, I'm going to have to this is so... Um... I, I, honest, I honestly think that this is just the beginning of what's going to be a cascading impact. And uh, we're going to have to try and sort this out and get to truth. That's that's my goal in all of this. Katie, we always love having you on. Thank you for being with us. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. News Roundup. Information Overload Hour coming up at the top of the hour. We'll get back into this. Jonathan Gillum, Geraldo Rivera, we have the latest on what's happening with the dossier in Uranium One, Sarah Carter, Victoria Tunsing, straight ahead. the
9: FBI paid Christopher Steele, the author of the dossier? Uh, those are matters you'll have to
16: uh, direct to the, um, uh, I think, maybe the special counsel.
9: We know the author was Christopher Steele. It's been reported that he was on the payroll of the FBI. I'm just wanting to know if, in fact, that is the case. I'm not able to provide an answer to you. Did the FBI present the dossier to the FISA court? I'm not able to answer that. Do you know if the FBI did the established process protocol in evaluating claims made in the dossier?
16: I'm not able to answer that.
9: On January 6, then-FBI Director James Comey briefed President-elect Trump up in New York about the dossier. Shortly thereafter, that... The fact that that meeting took place and the subject of the meeting was the dossier was leaked to CNN. Do you know who leaked that information? I do not. Are you investigating who leaked that information? That
16: would be a matter within the investigatory uh, powers of the special counsel. You said you've got Department a number of investigations
9: of going on, Mr. Attorney General, regarding leaks. Is that likely one of those that you're investigating? I'm not able to reveal the existence of investigations or not. But my concern is we sent you a letter three and a half months ago asking for a second special counsel. And if you're now just considering, what's it going to take to get a special counsel? We We know that former FBI Director James Comey misled the American people in the summer of 2016 when he called the Clinton investigation a matter. It's obviously an investigation. We know FBI Director Comey was drafting an exoneration letter before the investigation was complete. We know Loretta Lynch, one day before the Benghazi report came out, five days before Secretary Clinton was scheduled to be interviewed by the FBI, met with former President Bill Clinton on a tarmac in Phoenix. Um, We know after that meeting, when she was corresponding with public relations people at the Justice Department, she was using the name Elizabeth Carlisle. You know, as I've said before, it seems to me if you're just talking golf and grandkids, you can probably use your real name. We know that... Mr. Comey publicized the investigation, and we know he made the final decision on whether to prosecute or not. And then when he gets fired, he leaks a government document through a friend to the New York Times. And what was his goal? To create momentum for a special counsel. And, of course, it can't just be any special counsel. It's got to be Bob Mueller, his best friend, his predecessor, his mentor. The same Bob Mueller who was involved, we've now learned, in this whole investigation with the informant regarding uh, Russian businesses wanting to do business in the Iranian business here in the United States regarding the uranium one deal. So I guess my main question is what's it going to take if all that not to mention the dossier information what's it going to take to actually get a special counsel?
16: It will take a factual basis that meets the standards of the appointment of a special and is counsel. That,
9: is that analysis
16: going on right now? Well that's in the uh, manual of the Department of Justice about what's required. We've only had two. The first one was the Waco, Janet Reno, um, Senator Danforth, who took over that investigation as special counsel, and Mr. Mueller. Each of those are pretty uh, special, factual situations. Well, I I appreciate that. You can have your idea, but sometime we have to study what the facts are and to evaluate whether it meets the standard that requires a special counsel.
9: Well, we know one fact. We know the Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee paid for, uh, through the law firm, paid for the dossier. We know that happened. And it sure looks like the FBI was paying the author of that document, and it sure looks like a major political party was working with the federal government to then turn an opposition research document, the equivalent of some National Enquirer story, into an intelligence document, take that to the FISA court so that they could then get a warrant to spy on Americans associated with President Trump's campaign. That's what it looks like, and I'm asking you, doesn't that warrant, in addition to all the things we know about James Comey in 2016, doesn't that warrant, naming a second special counsel, as 20 members of this committee wrote you three and a half months ago asking you to do?
16: Well, Mr. Comey is no longer the director of the FBI. Thank goodness. We have an excellent man of integrity and ability in Chris Ray, and I think he's going to do an outstanding job, and I'm very happy and He's about not here that. today, Attorney General. And the I would say, are, and I'm asking for a the special time of the gentleman. And I would has say, expired. looks like is not enough basis to appoint a special counsel. All
6: right, that's from yesterday's hearing. Congressman Jim Jordan is going to join us in a minute to discuss uh, that exchange with the Attorney General. Joining us now, though, in the meantime, is Congressman uh, Andy uh, Biggs is with us. Andy, how are you? Welcome back to the program. What did you think of that exchange?
2: Well, I think that, uh, first of all, thanks for having me, but I I, I think that I was a little bit um, um, disappointed because I think what Jim Jordan was talking about when he said it looks like this, it looks like that, what he was doing is he was laying out the factual basis for probable cause of a crime, Or multiple crimes that have been committed. And if that is the case, which I think it is, then the attorney general at that point, when he says, well, we're going to look at it on the factual basis, well, you've had it for months and months and months. You should be appointing a special counsel. That's, that's the position I took yesterday when I heard that. That's why my questioning went the way it did. And, it, and I, I didn't get that from uh, Attorney General Sessions, who I think is a good man, but here he's, he's, he can't defer to his second-in-command, who is Rod Rosenstein. For Pete's sakes, this—he can't do that. He has got to make the tough decision. That tough decision is: we need a special counsel to investigate this whole series, this litany of corruption. And what I what I've said is the scandal of our time. He needs—he needs to appoint someone.
6: Well, oh, I, I listen. I think so too. Um, but I'm also being told and, and I'm, I'm kind of getting very strong feedback that, in fact, there is an ongoing investigation that he never recused himself from Uranium One or the the whole issue is that it involves uh, G- fusion GPS. Um, and he was asked specifically yesterday by John Conyers, you know, about the issue of whether he's recused himself of the investigations involving Hillary He said he couldn't answer that. He said uh, he didn't recall talking about George Papadopoulos, by the way. He said he can't answer if recusal impacts investigation and diffusion GPS or uranium one. Uh, the man that was questioning him so uh, in a tough way yesterday is Jim Jordan of Ohio Freedom Caucus, of course. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Sean. Good to be with you. Let's, all right, let's talk about what did you think of those answers?
3: Well, I I mean, I think maybe the most telling part was when uh, Matt Gaetz asked him a few questions. uh, Two in particular, he said, are you recused from the Uranium One issue? And he said no. And then later in in the questioning, later in that five minutes, he was asked the same question. He says, I don't know. So that's the point. We don't know what Jeff Sessions is recused from what he isn't. We do know Bob Mueller is inherently compromised on the Uranium One issue. So I would prefer we didn't have to name a special counsel, but I don't see how you can avoid it. The logic says if the attorney general doesn't know what he's recused from or what he isn't, and if Bob Mueller is inherently compromised, we're not going to get the answers to all those things Andy just talked about unless we have a special counsel. And if it's someone with inside the department right now, no one will believe what those investigations produce because, oh, did Jeff Sessions appoint this guy or was it a career person? So the only way to get this done, and I think done in a way that Americans will accept the verdict or accept the findings of the investigation, is to have a special counsel.
6: Well I agree with you on the special counsel I've been calling for it for a long time what if it does turn out I mean you know here's the difficulty when you interview Jeff Sessions I mean okay he he said and then he clarified his remarks as you know after the exchange that he had with you is that he was just talking about what the standard for a special counsel which means that he hasn't decided if a special counsel is going to be necessary I'm also hearing A lot of rumors that there's going to be dramatic changes at the FBI in the next week or so. So that should be interesting. But more importantly, you know, if he's sitting there knowing that there's an investigation into Fusion GPS, Russian interference, as it relates to Hillary or Uranium One, he can't tell you that.
3: Yeah, but, uh, well, maybe that's the case. But that was not the impression we got. The impression we got is the facts have to be there to warn a special counsel. And I would come back to, how about these facts? How about the fact that the, uh, the Democrat National Committee and the Clinton campaign were paying for the for the dossier, and at the same time, it, it sure looks like the FBI was paying Christopher Steele, the author of that dossier, and it was taken, we believe, to the FISA court to a federal judge, and it was the basis for spying on people associated with the Trump campaign. How about that? If the, if that's not a fact pattern, everything points to that took place. We don't know for certain, but it sure looks like it was. If that's what happened. If that's not factual enough information to hey, we have to look at this and it requires a special counsel. I do not know what does. I do not know what does. And that's what we were trying to get at yesterday. That's what Andy was trying to get at, Mr. DeSantis, and all of us who have called for this.
6: Yeah, well, I, I agree on so many fronts. But so much has happened. So much has, you know, gone on. And every time the Clintons skate, Congressman Jordan, every time. I don't think, yeah. you know, at this point in time, you know, here we spent a year investigating Trump-Russia collusion. Now we know Hillary and the DNC funded this phony dossier full of russian lies and propaganda and salacious you know misinformation to influence our election and then she says well there's a difference between op research and uh, and uh, a collusion meanwhile that's the very thing they were accusing you know donald trump of and yeah. yet we don't, we don't see the investigation on the other side. And people like me, and obviously you are getting frustrated. No
3: kidding. You, you said it best, Sean. You said this last night on your show, you, just, you said it there, too. Uh, th- they were doing the very thing that they're accusing us of. And frankly, that shouldn't surprise us. This is how the left operates. So, uh, again, all the more reason why we need someone from the outside that everyone respects who can come in here and objectively investigate? We're going to continue investigating in Congress. We're going to we're going to we're going to do everything we can to uncover everything. But we need a special counsel. That's that's obvious. Let's let's make it happen. Let's move on.
6: Yeah. All right. Look, and let me go to you, Congressman Biggs. Um, you know, w- Congress has to get a response when they ask for a special counsel. Isn't that the standard operating procedure?
2: Yeah, that would be normal. That's right. Okay. They either say yes or no.
6: All right. So three and a half months ago, the first request went in. Yeah. Okay. And now you get these answers yesterday, which is, well, I can't talk about if there's an investigation. I'm not sure this rises to the standard of a special counsel. There's certain criteria that it's got to meet. What's your reaction to that answer?
2: Well, I think it's it's inadequate. I mean, and you couple that Sean with the fact that the day before the hearing, we got a letter from the Attorney General saying that well we'll 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 consider it. That's pretty weak. And then when he talks about who's going to be involved in considering it, he's he's referring to Rod Rosenstein. And so we have the same people and who have the same conflicts as in the in the Mueller incident? We have this going on over here. It's it's in my opinion it's woefully inadequate. woefully inadequate.
6: Yeah, well, I mean, it's really this simple. We know Hillary mishandled classified information. We know that 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 information was picked up by five foreign entities and intelligence agencies. Then we know that she destroyed classified top-secret special access information. Uh, These were subpoenaed emails, and then she just destroys them, deletes them, acid washes, bleach bits them, and and bashes up devices with hammers. Uh, That, to me, is a classic case of obstruction, and I, I don't think I would not be in
2: jail over that. Would I be in jail over that? Yes, you would, and so would I, and so would most every other American. And, uh, but, but for some reason, uh, people just jump on and protect the Clintons, and that's and that's what we have said. Look, we just want a fair and objective investigation, and we haven't had it. The Clintons haven't had it. Ev- evidence keeps coming out. We've adduced all kinds of evidence indicating both obstruction on the part of Hillary Clinton and the election collusion everybody's talking about with Russia. It turns out it's with these guys, the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign, and we want that to be investigated. that That isn't too much to ask in a free society that uh, honors and reveres the rule of law, I don't think.
6: All right. Now let me ask about James Comey in particular, I mean, and Robert Mueller, Jim Jordan. Robert Mueller was the FBI director in 2009. He yeah. knew that... Vladimir Putin was trying to get a foothold into the uranium market in America. We know that those his agents in America were involved in bribery, kickbacks, money laundering, extortion, and other racketeering crimes. And they knew in 2009. And we have an informant that was on the inside, asked by the FBI to stay there. So we have firsthand account. We have documents, emails, and tapes. And with all of that information acquired, knowing this is happening, why would anybody sign off on giving away 20% of our uranium when we don't have enough uranium in the country, we have to import it anyway.
15: Well,
3: exactly right, Sean. It's been also reported that he didn't share that knowledge you just went through with any – he didn't share it with Congress, he didn't share it with the American people, but probably most importantly, it's been reported that it was not shared with the committee This committee on foreign investment in the United States made up of folks from federal agencies, several federal agencies, he didn't share that information with them. You got an informant giving you all this kind of information at a time when there's this Uranium One deal that's moving forward, and there's a committee who decides whether the deal happens or not, and you don't share the information with them, why didn't you share that information? And now we have an informant who – and the informant who gave him all this was put under a gag order. Again, how can Robert Mueller, that special counsel, look into that situation? He was part of the whole deal, part of the the investigation at the time. So, again, just underscoring why we need a separate special counsel to look at that issue in conjunction with everything else. uh, involving Mr. Comey. All
6: right, we'll take a break. We'll come back more with Congressman Andy Biggs and Jim Jordan. As we continue, Congressman Jim Jordan is with us. Congressman Andy Biggs is with us. You know, as it relates to Mueller, let let me just dig a little bit deeper into all of this. If he's involved himself into knowing all of this about, you know, Putin and Russia and their desire to get a hold of uranium, and he didn't do anything about it, and might himself, if there ever is an investigation, have to answer questions himself, does that... Does that warrant a recusal of him uh, in any way, shape or form, Congressman Andy Biggs?
2: Uh, yes, it does, Sean. In fact, the the, uh, the federal statutes are very explicit that you cannot conduct an investigation if you're either the subject of the investigation, which Mr. Mueller would be, or if you're a witness in the uh, investigated uh, issue, which he would be, or or if you're affiliated or related to anybody that would be there, which he would be because it was his agency that he was overseeing. So yeah, he has he has a uh, uh, conflict in bright neon lights. And so yesterday, when I asked, I asked uh, attorney. General Sessions, you know, do you even have a, a formal system to evaluate conflicts of interest? He said, no, there is not one in the Department of Justice. And I said, well, how do we determine then? Who determines it? He says, the individual attorney. So, so are you telling me that Mr. Mueller, it's, it's all up to Mr. Mueller to determine whether he has a conflict of interest? That's a problem. That's a real problem. And that isn't the way it's done in private practice, I can tell you that. So I was very disappointed by that.
6: All right, guys, I gotta let you both go. I appreciate it. Jim Jordan and uh Andy Biggs. Eight hundred nine four one Sean is a toll free telephone number. You wanna be a part of the program. I twenty five till the top of the hour. It's always what? What?
8: Well, uh, I just thought before we get into the business of, of Mr. Daniels, the legend here. Well,
6: I was going to introduce my buddy, my friend, my pal, the great patriot, the great football fan, <laughs> the, the one of the greatest country we artists. We only have a half an hour. <laughs> it's only
8: a half an hour. <laughs> Charlie Sean. Daniels
6: is here, and you're, you're already interrupted I, the interview and you're wasting job. time.
8: But I think if to, a real proper welcome yeah. to Mr. Daniels would be if you sang him his greatest song, "Devil Went Down." No, the uh, I've, oh, not complete unless you're singing, right?
6: Uh, well, I'll, you mean a version that just I've already ver- sung. Well,
8: Version that you can sing with him. Go ahead. All right,
6: ready. All right, the devil went down to Georgia, and he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind, so he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man, sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot, well, the devil, he jumped up on a hickory spot, and he said, Boy, let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. Yes, you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player, too, and if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now, you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I'll bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. Because I think I'm better than you. The boy, boy said, my name's Johnny and it may and it be, be, a be a sin, sin but I'll, but take, I'll take your bet your and, rinning, and you're gonna regret, because I'm the, the best as ever been.
11: Johnny here up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose and the devil deals a card. And if
6: you and you get this, Alright, I can't ruin all the, the whole, the whole song. I'm butchering it to the, the devil gets your soul. Alright, so Charlie Daniels is with us. You know, you came out with this. But never look at the empty seats. Right. And I have spent so much time with you. Uh-huh. And we've done so many events together. Right. And I've watched you perform so many times. And the thing is, you, I don't even know how old you are. You are doing 100-some-odd dates a year.
11: I'll be 80, 81 in four days. You look amazing. Thank you.
6: And the energy you bring to the people that come to your shows, is phenomenal.
11: I feel the same way about my profession you feel about yours. We both love it. Love it. And you you put your best into it every, every yeah. day. I do every night. And it's just it's a it's a joy. It's a joy to do it. You know, it.
6: I've actually been to events, and, and maybe the crowd size wasn't what we mm-hmm. thought it was. That's mm-hmm. happened to anybody, I guess, yeah. in performing, right? Yes. You know, sometimes you don't have enough notice. Sometimes uh, the word didn't get out. They didn't promote it right or whatever. And it used, that used to bother me. I'm like, <laughs> why didn't you fill the seats? Why is it in? And then I learned it doesn't matter. If there's 10 people there, you give
11: your all for you 10 people. You give your all for whoever's there. And th- you, you're not concerned with the empty seats. You're concerned with the ones that have people in them. Right. If you please them, then that's the way you build a following. They'll come back and bring somebody else with them and it kind of snowballs. And- yeah, but you don't ever hardly have empty seats. I saw oh, you. I do. I have Occasionally? I, yeah, <laughs> we have some empty seats, yeah. Especially when we first started. This is about really it's kind of an accentuate the positive type of thing. If you can't get what you want, take what you can get and make what you want out of it, you know.
6: You have uh, a lot of things that guide you in life one is your faith yes your love of music your love of football mm-hmm. and you have a love of politics you I've, I've watched you you write your blog and and you go out and you're tweeting up a storm <laughs> and you're passionate about this country you're I passionate am. about everything you do what are you most passionate
11: about your music i'm most my, my priorities are god family and <laughs> and country music and country yeah <laughs> god family country and work that's yeah. me yeah
6: I'm curious because I I know what a great patriot you are, and I know how much you love our troops. How many times you go see the the men and women when they were out fighting?
11: Uh, We've been to uh, we've been to Iraq three times, right? And we've been to Afghanistan, and we go. Of course, you go to Iraq, you go to Kuwait because that's a jumping off place. Sure. uh, We've been to Kosovo, um, um, Sarajevo, been to Guantanamo, just all over it. But wherever we can get to them, you know, we can never do enough for our troops. Anybody put their life between us and our enemies. you, How do you
6: reconcile the great patriot, lover of our military, because they they give you the freedom to play, right. me the freedom to to rant on the radio and on television, um, and they put their lives on the line for us. Right. How do you reconcile that with your passion for football? I know you like college football probably better anyway, but what's going on in the NFL? You know, I've got, I've got,
11: I'm still kind of wondering if I'm going to redo my my season tickets next year. I I found myself in this of the just, Titans tickets, right? Yeah. This just happened that I, I'm not as – it used to be football was on. I had TV on. Right. of It's kind of lost a little bit of its glow to me. And you know what gets me about it uh, is I, I, you want to protest something, you feel something's wrong, please do. It's a free country. You can do that. But the guy holding that or the gal holding that flag out there in that color guard may well be a veteran or maybe not even a veteran, maybe still an active duty person who has put their life on the line in Afghanistan, Iraq, or someplace we don't even know about and you can't take 30 seconds mm-hmm. to honor them, the flag that they served under, and the song that signifies the whole thing in our country. You know,
6: that's that's my point. And listen, I'm, I am I make my living, you know, giving my opinions right. and strong opinions. A lot of people don't like us, Charlie, trust me. And I respect people that have different views. Yes. I really do. I'm fine. I'm cool with it. But even people that don't like me and so want to write horrible things and lies about me, which happens pretty much every day. <laughs> But how many, we can't unite on this issue. Yes. How many fought, how many bled, how many died, how many sacrificed for you to have the right Right to get paid millions to play the sport you love absolutely and and be loved by the crowds yeah. You're, you 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 took the words out of my mouth it took a, I'm not watching NFL football I'm watching college football it's pretty good too it. it's oh my <laughs> you know isn't it fun to like to ascertain the only the the minuscule differences in terms of yeah. talent level and then you think there's only a few of those college kids that are ever getting their pros and I'm like I think they're all good,
11: yeah, you know what's amazing is 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 you you get it, you can, there's a whole mindset to college football yeah. that you you don't have when you watch pro it's like these kids out here are doing it they're, they're they're giving it their best they're in they're love wanting to make it to the yeah. pros and to watch you. you know alabama should have to play in pro league <laughs> after what they did about tennessee tight of uh, tennessee know. balls the other day yeah but it's it's great it's college football is a great thing i'm every saturday i got tv on. i don't know how nick saban does it every year every year the guy either. puts a championship team on the field but i wish i did i teach it <laughs> yeah. to somebody else so you're a
6: volunteer fan
11: i'm a volunteer fan yeah, yeah. well listen
6: i admire that What is it, how many years now is it total music for you? And were you musical when you were born, when you were young?
11: I cut the apron strings in June of 1958, and I left home. That's all I've done since then something to do with music. How old were you then? I was, uh, well, 1958 would have been coming to me 22 years old. I was 21.
6: That was it? You went out on your own, never looked
11: back? Went out on my own, never looked back, and I've done it on all different levels, of course, but it's all been music-related. Except for five weeks, I worked in a junkyard in Denver, Colorado. (laughs) How was that? (laughs) I couldn't get, well, it it brought me very much down to earth. It made me realize, appreciate my, you know, I came from a, uh, labor type background blue collar people same here tobacco and uh timber you know that, that sort of thing and so i was not i was no stranger sweating yeah. i mean i've done it you know and i got have empathy for everybody i ride down the street and see the truck drivers unloading the trucks i got empathy for that person it's hard yeah
6: those jobs. Yeah. i did all the construction work and restaurant work i'll I, I tell you this it was looking back i think it's it saved my life in a lot of ways because yeah. it gave me the empathy the perspective real life experience and and you know look i mean if if i get tired and i'm i'm grinding it out yeah. and on the road like you are yeah. sometimes and i'm flying from i was in five cities in 3 days recently you know this past weekend i have no reason to complain charlie you're I mean, grounded
11: you're yeah, grounded i mean and yeah. and a faith in god does yeah. that too yeah. Oh, yeah definitely
6: um when you perform mm-hmm. is that the time that you feel the
11: best in your life it's one of the few times i ever feel like in my life that i know exactly what i'm doing I have devoted my life. I know when you sit down in front of a, a microphone, you take on a whole persona. I mean, you're Sean Hannity on the air. Right. And it's very obvious that you're at home back there. Right. I'm at home when I walk on stage. Just the way you correlate, the way you feel when you sit down behind that microphone, the, and that's the way I feel when I walk on stage. You know,
6: it's funny because my kids, Charlie, I uh, have a studio near my house, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, they'd come in when I'm doing the radio show from home. I'm in New York today, and they'd come in, and they're like – Daddy, you just you st- your veins are popping out of your neck, and you're screaming, and you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, uh, let me do the radio show this way. Hi, welcome to the Sean Hannity show, and our number is one eight hundred nine four one. Sean, I said nobody's going to listen to that. No, but no. here's the interesting thing to me, and I want to know if you can relate to this. The first time I got behind a microphone, I did that. I just I started talking like this, right, you right, know, yeah, and I have no idea why. I have no idea where that came because from. Because
11: you're doing exactly what you want to do. That's what you. Put, that's when you put your whole heart and soul into it. When you're doing exactly, I would not change places, and I know you wouldn't either. Right. I'm, I'm looking no, you I, straight no, in the I, eyes. I right want to be no. Garth
6: Brooks or Kenny Chesney <laughs> in my next life. There's already Charlie there's Daniels.
11: already one of them. You can't be that. <laughs> yeah. But you're doing exactly what you want to do, and you put your heart and soul into it. And I'm the same way. The first, yeah. I, when I learned three chords and I could play a whole song, I was ruined. That's all I wanted to do.
6: You know, one day I was with Billy Graham. It was his last crusade, and it was in New York. Mm-hmm. It was in Flushing, and he's—he's he's very was old at the time. Isn't? I think he's in his—it's like headed towards hundred now. Yeah, and he's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it was rally time. Right. And I watched him. He—it's like he, a force drove him up the stairs, and behind that podium, absolutely. And i watched you too, and you it's the same thing I watched with you all of a sudden you're just Charlie, you're taking pictures, you're doing selfies, and then it's game time, and you're just like let's go, and you start twirling that it's time that bow oh, and boom we time to roll time to do it what um what did, what did, what did, you're giving advice in this book mm mm-hmm. What do you tell people?
11: The first thing I tell, you know, like young people ask me, you know, what about a music career and about how long you longevity and that sort of thing. First thing I tell them, make sure you love it enough to put up with the sacrifices, to put up with the rejection. To put up with all the th- your failures, what you're going to do, and to put up with people just being mean to you, yeah. that you can put up with all of that. Because if you have any success, people are going to be jealous of you. They're going to try to bring you back down. If you can't do that, if you can't put up with those people, those situations, and those circumstances, stay home. It's not
6: the business for stay you. Stay home. Play yeah. the
11: lounges on the weekend. You don't come out. On, don't come out on the road and break your heart because that's going to happen to you.
6: Um, I think I've learned more from my failures than my success. Well, you? you do learn from your
11: failures. It's like burning your fingers on the stove. You know, at least. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, it's, it's like, true. I ain't gonna do that no more. <laughs> no,
6: I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Zach, Br- I heard Zach him singing Brown, yeah. "The Devil" the other day. Well, on, yeah, serious. A lot
11: of people sing. In fact, Garth Brooks opened yeah. the uh, Mercedes Dome in Atlanta. Yeah. And of all things he did that went down to Georgia for first song. <laughs> did he? <laughs> I was very honored. Yeah, definitely.
6: Uh, but, you're, but the thing is, is because I know a lot of these countries, everybody loves you. You're like the father of country music now. I mean, I don't know if you ever, if, if you set out to have that happen. Why are you able to survive the temptations on the road? I mean, I've been out with these bands, Charlie, a lot of mm-hmm. girls with a lot of, well, not so many clothes on throwing themselves at these guys. A lot of booze, some are doing
11: drugs. You never got into any of that. Well, my career is is the thing to me. You don't go on the road to party. That's some common misconception. Anybody has another thing you have to understand. If you're going to go on the road to party and pick up girls and that sort of thing, stay home. Yeah, because you, that's you're not going to either. You can do that at home. Yeah, you know, yeah. don't go on the road and well, ruin your career. Maybe
6: they don't like the girls in town, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
11: I've seen well, so many careers ruined from because of that, drugs and yeah. But just it all it all kind of works together after a while. Yeah, people get alcohol habit or drug habit or they 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 just fall apart. It, they, they take their focus off of what they love, and all of a sudden and they're doing stuff that the thing,
6: they don't like. but everybody thinks they that you want to party with them in the city that you're in and, i don't even want to party the, with me anymore <laughs> <laughs> So how many dates are you going to do
11: this year? We'll do 102, ten grand ole Opry appearances, and a couple of charity things. Wow! It, but you know, it sounds like a lot, and but actually, I can handle that. There's no problem. 102 is a piece of cake, Rio. Basically, it's not a piece of cake, but it's about we're getting up to about the limit right there. But yeah, accounting at Grand Ole, you yeah. know, when you're a member of the Grand Ole Opry, they want you to do 10 shows a year. So I have yeah. so much respect for the for the the you, thing I do. You know,
6: I got to emcee that once.
11: Yes, ma'am. That was I, why an why honor. Would you come back and do it again? I have. You come out and they sing didn't ask with me. me. Grand Randall, Opry. No,
6: Charlie. Every time, I listen. It was such a great honor. I would sing the devil with you. Yes. And I
11: butchered the song. It don't matter. It. Do- <laughs> it don't. Ma- did you notice? It matters I was, to me. Did you notice I was leading the band? We were playing with you instead of you having yeah. to sing with us. <laughs> I think you're
6: probably right. There was one day I missed an entire. Um, what's lyric verse? Verse, yeah. I have, I have an entire verse of the song, and I'm like, and you look at me, you look at your
11: band members, and you're laughing, and I, there's nothing I could do at that point. But Sean, do you realize what an yeah. incredible charge our crowds go? We, that was the last song we do. Remember, <laughs> it's always there and we go, we build up to that, and yeah. all of a sudden, Sean Hannity comes out. I <laughs> guess, and you were like, you look like Garth Brooks. You're <laughs> jumping on the mic <laughs> stand, jumping on the drum stand, running all over the stage. You yeah. know that, but they got the Crowd got such. How many people got to hear that? Now, how many people? Only the people we played for <laughs> yeah. you were live that got to hear Sean Hannity do double went down to Georgia. City. It's by the way, I'll tell everybody it's on YouTube, it's all over
6: the place. That's good. And, and I have looked at it myself, you know, over these many years, um, it's been my honor. It really has to get to know you. And and every time I call, just Charlie, I need you for we're raising money. We need you here. We need you here. We need you here. You're always there. Um, you have been a mentor, a life mentor, an example for all of us. I love your music. I love who you are more as a person than anything else. I love this book, by the way. Never look at the empty seats. Just out today. It's on yes, Hannity.com. Yeah, right. It's on Amazon.com. It's right. in bookstores everywhere. And it's always a pleasure to see you, my friend. God bless you always.
11: Thank you. God bless you. Uh,
6: Never look at the empty seats. Our friend Charlie Daniels, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. All right. We have an amazing Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel. Sarah Carter, John Solomon, Victoria Tunsing, Greg Jarrett. And Jay Seculo all back. We have massive developments as it relates to the dossier and the Uranium One issue. News you won't get from anybody else. We'll break it all down for you. All these new developments. And it's all coming up tonight at 9 on the Fox News Channel. Hannity. And we hope you'll always set your DVR. But that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for being with us. Back here tomorrow. See you tonight at 9.